welcome to the Creative South podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. This week, I'm talking with Deputy Art Director at AARP, Diane Holton. We chat about how moving around as a kid, while her dad was in the military, allowed her to be open-minded and adaptable as an adult. Getting into graphic design after planning on going to college for fashion design and becoming interested in news and publication design while in school. How AARP adjusts to an ever-changing market and evolving psychographics. Getting involved with AIGA and how it's helped shape her career and more, all right after this. It's no secret that I love Jack Prince. They're a longtime sponsor of the podcast and Creative South. Plus, they do great work. Whether they're making our pop-up displays and tablecloths or printing notebooks, Jack Prince is always there when we need them. This year, they are printing new Creative South t-shirts for me and the podcast stickers. They have a coupon code on the back that gives you a great discount on all of their products, just in time for Creative South. Speaking of stickers, Jack Prince will print any kind, shape, size, or stock, including full-color stickers with full-color liner prints, for you to use as product labels, promotions, bumper stickers, hang tags, business cards, and more. Right now, you can get 500 3x3-inch die-cut stickers, starting at 149 Plus, Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code CREATE15CS at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. If you like the Creative South podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South podcast swag. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else. A shout out on the podcast thanking you for your support. Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So, please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Diane, thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you for having me. You you have the lucky benefit of you're you're on your phone, so you don't have to um, look at the Sunday morning version of me that still has bedhead and um, is probably I'm still probably running my rubbing my eyes even though I've been awake for three hours. No, that's okay. But what I but the beauty of all of this is I actually can see you. Oh, and uh huh, yeah. So, yeah, there's um, but my you hair. Look like no, but you look like you're in like you're in a cool space. So it looks like there's like a no, it does. You have stuff in the background that's like cool, like a a, a target um, circle. Yeah, it's a target bag. Uh, to, so, oh, is it a target so, bag? Yes, cool. it is a target bag. Uh, the secret is it's not really a cool space. I don't know if you can see over <laughs> my other shoulder where the broom and dustpan is and all that stuff. I realize there's oh, also I, a T-square over there, but um, this is my office slash podcast studio slash laundry room. Hey, it works. <laughs> it, it's multi-hyphenate. Yeah. Um, but no, it looks like over to the right, though. It actually looks like cool tools. I, I, I did not recognize that that was a... Um, um, yeah, there, I, don't, uh, I don't know why we have two T-squares back here. Hey, you're a designer. <laughs> I think we just didn't have anywhere else to put them. <laughs> Well, you know what? Okay, so fun fact: um, mm-hmm. in my car is a T square that I've had since college, and mm-hmm. it is on the 
it's actually in the trunk, but it has managed to make its way through the trunk and like through that seat. So anybody who ever sits <laughs> back there, I always have to tell them, like, be careful the the T-square, the top of T-square might poke you in the ass because um, it's just that top part. But it's it's managed to make its way through the through the um, through the trunk and into that back seat. And what can I say? I also, I also have a, a half born mannequin that has been traveling with me for 15 years. That's not disturbing at um, all. In, in my trunk, so it's not, well. You know, it would be not, not, in your trunk is less disturbing than if it was like in the back passenger seat of the car, sitting up or something like that. Well, I mean, you just gave me an idea. <laughs> I probably get people probably get into many accidents if they if they looked over and saw that. Yeah. But no, if you pop my trunk, you'll find a lot of interesting things. <laughs> Mine is filled with like junk and leftover kids stuff that my I've just thrown in there when I have to have somebody ride in the back seat. So it's it's not nearly as exciting. <laughs> no, that's okay. The rest of mine is usually a is um usually AIGA stuff and magazines. I, be, I believe in track as, as a publication designer, you should uh-huh. always have magazines on you. And then affiliation with AIGA has me like hauling ev- ev- you name it, all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. Now you could put the mannequin in the front seat and and use the carpool lanes, right? But that fee when you get pulled over is one that could go to one of my many habits, which is traveling. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'll always leave it in the back seat or it a mortgage no or <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly, exactly. I'm like that is that actually is my mortgage. Actually, to, to be honest, I think the fee is close to my mortgage bill, um, but. I, the form is actually not as scary and when it's upright mm-hmm. because it's a, um, it's a cloth form and it has no arms, no legs. Oh, okay. So um, it's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And it has no head. It has the wood. It's just the wooden part. It's the part mm-hmm. that you, when you go into a store, um, it's that it's the form that they hang on the, t- on the T stand. So mm-hmm. it just shows the look of it. And then mm-hmm. you add like the arms and the the cloth arms and cloth legs when you're wearing like long, when it's wearing long sleeves or, or pants. Mm-hmm. So it's not as attractive, like when it's sitting up to be honest, but uh-huh. I mean, it would throw people. I think if they saw it, like what, what is going on there? Sure. My sister-in-law has one of those. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. You never know when you need to style something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so let's, let's, uh, let's dive into things and tell me where did you grow up? Right. So my dad was in the military and I moved around, uh, around the world, mm-hmm. literally, uh, throughout my entire, I guess, life. No, I don't say I can't, shouldn't say lifetime, but, uh, while I was with them. So from birth to college, <laughs> sure, um, sure. <laughs> I was with them yeah. and, uh, <laughs> we, um, we traveled, yeah, we traveled around the world. He was, uh, he's now retired army mm-hmm. colonel retired, but, um, he, yeah, he had this. I don't want to say he had a wanderlust. He had a, a he had assignments, and they <laughs> yeah. took him different places. He had, a, right? he had a job that had him move every three years. It, exactly. Um, whereas, uh, so what that did was that actually did create help me create a wanderlust for myself to travel um, and affinity to travel. But yeah, we moved around a lot. He was fortunate. He was fortunate that most of the assignments that he had, he was able to make them family tours versus mm-hmm. some soldiers who you know have to go go on independent tours for say up to a year. Sure. Um, he did do a lot of deployments though. Uh, a lot of deployments um, that were solo, obviously mm-hmm. um, to, to various places that could, you know, that were from like a week to, you know, weeks or months. Um, 
So we would, of course, just kind of hold, stay with my, stay with our mom, my brother and I. Um, yeah. I have one brother who's also in the military. Um, he's currently in Kuwait, mm-hmm. um, and then I have my mom. But yeah, I I grew up around. I grew up um, mainly on the East Coast when I was stateside, and mm-hmm. um, in Georgia, a couple of times in Georgia, um, Norfolk, Virginia, um, um, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, um, and then. A couple of places um, abroad, like I went to high school in Korea, South Korea, during the oh, 88 okay. Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, well, that makes us about the same age then. Yes. <laughs> what, does it? No, wait. Okay, let me correction. M- uh, middle school. But we're probably around the same age. How old probably. I, I'm 43. Okay, we're around the same age. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then high school... Uh, I graduated from high school in Berlin. Uh, my dad helped close down, close it out. Uh, we were there the last year that the Allied forces were there, so everybody oh, okay. was packing up and leaving. So it was, was kind of interesting to see that. And then um, we did another jaunt or two when I was really little. My brother was born in Germany. Um, so we did a lot of, I would say, European and Asian um, tours versus other parts of the world. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those aren't bad places to be stationed, though. I don't think so. And, you know, when you're actually when you're moving all the time, you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, OK. Yeah. And everybody else is moving. You know, that's the beauty of being in the um, being with a group like a military group. Mm-hmm. Uh, these the ones that are affiliated in my dad's um, what one would say discipline mm-hmm. um, because they a lot of his colleagues moved around a lot. Whereas with my brother, my brother and his ex-wife got into the military. They actually went into the Air Force and went the enlisted route. They didn't their their duty stations didn't require them or their um, I'm going to say discipline did not require them to move as often. Mm-hmm. So they they stayed in places, you know, for four to six years versus us, which we moved every, almost every two, two years okay. um, or less. Yeah. That, that's, you know, not being from, I mean, my dad was in the reserves, but we never moved because of the military. So, and, and even though we moved quite a bit when I was a kid, um, mm-hmm. does, what challenges does that uh, bring growing up to you kind of establishing your own identity? I think for me, the one thing I will say that was probably a positive versus a negative because mm-hmm. people could see it actually as a negative and I've learned to embrace it as a positive. And that is the fact that you learn to move when you move and have to, you know, uh, start school in the middle of the year or, in, or during the summer, um, you learn over time to adapt, you mm-hmm. know, adapt to your situation, whether that's like culturally or, um, or it's, you know, leaving new, leaving friends and making new friends and just trying to like, I don't want to say assimilate, but just try to get used to that environment. Mm -hmm. I think for, for a lot of people that I talked to, especially when I was in college, they were like, I, wow, I, you moved a lot. And I said, yeah, I did. But I, I think it it helped shape who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and it helped me embrace others who had similar or differences, similar similarities or differences. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was a little more open to like hearing and listening to them. Whereas I feel like some of my peers that were from the same town, same place had lived, you know, had never seen anything or experienced anything different, maybe didn't even travel that much. They were a little more reserved, a little more conservative and their outlook just wasn't as broad and as wide. Um, I think, 
I would say on the negative side of that, though, is that I learned not to stay in contact with people or I, I didn't stay in contact with people as much as maybe somebody who had a long had lived in the same place all their time, all their entire life. And then their friend moved. Right. Um, it was it was really common to say, oh, I'll see you maybe, you know, in five years or six years, maybe we'll be at the same installation or. Um, maybe we'll pick up, maybe we'll do a hobby that will allow us to, you know, meet somewhere else. Like if you're doing debate, you know, it's very possible that you might, your debate team might go up against that other military debate team, you know, down Mm -hmm. the road. Um, so I think for me, whenever we move, I wasn't saying goodbye. wasn't so precious. It was just like, okay, you know, I'm gone. Um, and I didn't keep in contact with a lot of people. It wasn't until I would say probably college that there were some people in my high school class, graduating class that, um, decided that we should try to keep in contact and they started to look for people, um, and developed like a, opened up a, um, a Facebook, uh, page so that those people could, you know, could connect. Mm. Um, and there is in my high school though, there is what they call the Berlin reunion, uh, or I'm sorry, not my high school, but the Berlin, um, branch of the military of the, of, of um, of, I guess now that I think about it, I asked my dad. He's very he's very involved in it. But there's a they have what they call a Berlin reunion, and I think sure. it's actually open to anybody who has who lived there that was part of the U.S. forces. Okay. Um, and so they are there's organ there is a group that just like they stay in contact and they do a reunion almost every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that like I've gone with my dad, my mom and dad to them and um like to a a gala or something and. Um, it's not, obviously it's not everybody and you don't know most of the people because it spans the entire time that the army, the, I mean, the U S forces were there in Berlin, but you know, there's a lot of similarities when you have the conversation, when you have conversations with people for high school though, I can't say that was the same, but I know that my graduating high school class, um, definitely has, is keeping in touch. Um, they, but somebody, somebody made a concerted effort to, to make that happen. Um, like I said, (laughs) so after I graduated, it wasn't me. It was not me, <laughs> but um, I appreciate them because, you know, when you grow up military, people do land in different places. Some people oh, yeah. actually go go back into the military or go go into the military, follow their their parents footsteps mm-hmm. or they go into um, um, they go and work for the embassy or State Department. Mm-hmm. And so and they continue to move. And my class, my graduating class was 44 people. OK, very small and not. Everybody was military. We had a lot of kids. And some of them actually went back to their respective countries and did another year of school because sure. in their home countries, you know, they went to 13 versus 12. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Mm-hmm. When you, I, I, like I said, my family wasn't military, but I can definitely relate to the moving around and, and oh, yeah. not being as precious about saying goodbye. For me, mm-hmm. on the other side, I was never that because I, I was always this shy, kind of awkward kid. So I was never great at making new friends. Um, uh-huh. Whereas my brother was the—I mean, my brother is a social butterfly and can make friends with <laughs> can make friends with anybody in about three seconds flat. Yeah, um, that's my brother and my mom. So he, um, but he's also the one who formed closer friendships with people that lasted a long time. So mm. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I guess he was more adaptable, but I'm, I'm, I'm not bothered by, you know, living somewhere else. That doesn't bother me. So. Yeah, same. And I think that's a, that, I mean, again, that's the beauty of, of, um, being affiliated with that world Mm -hmm. is that you don't have any, you don't have any hesitation about an opportunity that's somewhere else and relocating there, you know, whereas other people, a meet, 
not everybody, but a lot of people experience that fear of having to, you know, move somewhere where they don't know anybody, they don't have any family. And then to top it off, sometimes, you know, people come from places where, again, their immediate circle doesn't travel. And so they are, they fear that like, they're going to go somewhere and they're, um, not going to be able to survive, not survive, but adapt to Mm -hmm. that environment and also have the support from, you know, from those close friends or family because they don't get out. So, no, I definitely understand that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So family and friends are important. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. Family and friends are important. Yeah. Yeah. When you were growing up, what were you into? Were you, I mean, since you moved around a lot, were you into sports? Were you into, you know, art? What What was, what was your kind of, what was your bag? I think I was more of, I was, de- I was definitely into the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I picked up my mom's trait of, you know, talking to people <laughs> and meeting new people and just kind of experiencing, you know, the new surroundings. Um, but I was also very observant, like my dad. So I always took, you know, took things in and I was, I would say even now, but especially then, you know, if there was something that was interesting and I was, I was very curious by it and I wanted to try it. So I did not, not let things stop me from, I did not stop. I did not, not try things because I was afraid of them. I tried them because I was curious. And, um, if I saw other people doing it and they were, you know, there was no harm that came to it, then I would, but I would say that in the area of like, what was my, what was my thing? I would say probably something in the, in art and fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, I did get into only reason why I got into sports, to be honest, was because I wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I was good at all, but because <laughs> <laughs> especially when I and I only got into um, into sports my junior and senior year of co- of high school because, okay. um, you know, living in Berlin and we had our school was small and we were the furthest we were the furthest from all the other bases. OK, um, when there was every Friday or Thursday night or Friday, depending on um, when the game was being played. I believe it was like Thursday, uh, Saturday, Saturdays the games are played or Friday nights. Um, we would have to, the teams would travel. They would travel to those other cities. So whether it be Belgium or, or um, Frankfurt or, you know, wherever they, they would get on a charter bus and they would go. And so when you have all these different sports teams, you know, from everything from lacrosse to track to football to basketball, you know, um, soccer, like on Fridays, they were, they would be gone. And there was, my school was small. My school had dwindled because again, all the allied forces were leaving over, over a period of time, you know, there would be, it would feel like there was nobody in school on Friday. So I got into sports, um, for that reason. And mm. the sport that I choose, I chose, or actually I was, um, asked to be part of, cause I was like, I'm not doing that, but <laughs> it was the cool thing to do. And that was cheerleading. Um, I survived. I like how you, the way you just said cheerleading, like you're disappointed with yourself. I kind of am because look, that is not, you know, if I wasn't a designer, there'd be two things I would be doing. One, I would be a backup dancer for a major, for a major uh, entertainer. Sure. Uh, That's, and I'm, and I truly believe that right now, don't ask me because I can't, I can barely, you know, go up a mountain. Second, <laughs> um, I would have gone into, and I just experienced that in Ecuador. So that I, I know that for a fact that these, this girl cannot do, cannot, um, does not have the stamina anymore. <laughs> um, and so when, 
when they asked me to join the uh, the cheerleading squad, I was mm. like, well, I don't really, I, just not, I don't really cheer. Like, well, I don't know anything about this. And they're like, well, you know, this is like, you know, they gave me the whole spiel. Everybody goes out of town, blah, 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 blah. This is what the cool people are doing. This woman had told me, who was who I really looked up to, fellow student, but senior, you know, has told me that she was doing it. And she'd been the varsity cheerleading captain and, you know, for several years, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I thought that she was going to do it. And so I was willing to put on the two small polyester you know, <laughs> pants and skirt and sleeveless number with paw prints on my ass because <laughs> I wanted to be in the in crowd and I had just moved there. And sure. it wasn't I was really dying to be in, in crowd, but I was just like, OK, well, if there are people she's telling me that people are going to be gone and this is what she's part of. And I, th- I look up to her. She's pretty cool. And her peers seem to be, you know, uh, equally as cool. Then, you know, maybe I should do it. So I went through the whole thing. And then I uh, made tryout. I mean, made it, made varsity. And um, and then she tells me that she's not she's going to take the, her senior year off because she's a senior and she wants to do some other things. And I I'm not a quitter. So I wasn't going to be like, OK, well, I'm not going to do this now that you're not going to do it. So I just I did all of football. And then when it came time to do uh, basketball, the basketball season, I just I was like, I'm not doing that. But because um, you could as long as I finish the season, I felt pretty accomplished. Sure. Um, but I was always on the bottom. My ass was always up because like I said, the tooth, the, <laughs> the skirt was always short. Um, I hated it. I'm not hated it, but I just, I was like, this was not, this was, would not have been the sport I would have chose. Yeah. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the next year, so I said, okay, I'm, I did that. And you know, looking back, I'm like, well, you know, it gave me character, right? That's what people say. I'm like, I still, I'm not sure, quite sure about that one. But I, I learned some tears. That's a nice way of saying I did it, but I didn't like it. it okay, yes. Like, like, yes. So when you know when you do those, um, when you do those, like, uh, true, true, what is it? True, t- true truths and a lie. Or yeah, yeah, true yeah. lies and a truth or something. Yeah. I, I put, almost always put that one down because um, people will almost always... Well, it depends on who I'm with, actually, because sometimes my introverted self comes out and they're like, you were a cheerleader? Yeah, I was a cheerleader. Can you believe this shit? Um, and other times <laughs> we're like, I know you. I knew it. Um, but yeah, so I did cheerleading for um, just that semester. And then the next year, again, it was, you know, it was clear that Fridays, you know, no way would be there. And so I let them, I not say let, I was intrigued by um, other sports. And mm-hmm. I thought, what is one that would be easier <laughs> that would not <laughs> cause me to have to like really, I don't want to say work hard, but I didn't have to overextend myself. And that was or show your play. ass. <laughs> there it is. I could wear like, you know, sweats or like in a t-shirt. So I, uh, I chose um, shot put and discus having never done either. Um, uh-huh. And that allowed me to like, again, to travel. And I went with the track team and shot, you know, discus and shot put. We actually had a, um, which was actually, it was really cool. We had um, our first female um, football player uh, at, uh, at the, my high school and mm-hmm. she was a nose guard. Um, so she was a nose guard for football and she used to antagonize guys whenever she would play because she was huge. Uh-huh. And then um, so that's what she would do in the fall. But then in the spring, she did shot put and discus. And so I just kind of followed her lead in the sense of, you know, uh, style and strategy. But she really had um, she really had the upper body strength to be able to, you know, effectively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she was good and she would medal, you know, whenever we would, um, wherever we, we would travel, um, she would, she did really well. So I was proud of her. And I was, I was glad to kind of, you know, kind of hang out with her and others because I don't know, I feel like shot put and discus are, the, are, are two sports that you don't hear about. They're not as glorified until, mm. 
um, you know, the Olympics. Um, so it was good to, you know, to try something new. I knew that I wasn't a runner. I knew I wasn't going to be a cheerleader. I knew I wasn't like, I, there were things I just knew about myself that I, I was like, I'm not playing soccer. It's like, I just, I don't have that lower body strength and sure. lacrosse seems interesting, but I, you know, so I just, I was looking for something that would allow me to go out of town and shop on discus seemed like the easiest thing to do. And I was good at Frisbee. So there you have it. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, lacrosse, you're not a white teenage boy from Connecticut. So <laughs> no, but, but I say that have, I grew up where lacrosse was pretty big in Minnesota. So <laughs> it is, it is. But what, the, but the great thing about my school was that they offer and this in Berlin in particular had, um, they just had so many different, you know, activities that sure. you could be part of. And I love, love that, that ex- exposure to them. And, mm-hmm. and even like the cross country, right? So I'm not Kenyan. I have people that did that did cross country, and they were. I have to say, they were like they were good. You know, but part of it is just like one being exposed, which is my big thing right now in life is exposing people to new opportunities, regardless sure. of what they are. But also like and exposing them, and then have and then encouraging them to see that through, right? Mm-hmm. And so the beauty, I feel, of our of our uh, sports teams, um, and also just across the board, not even with our sports. Again, going back to like debate, I'm not a debater, but I was on that team because I wanted to. Go out no, actually, I was on that team because I wanted to um, I just wanted to kind of sit in and see how, you know, how people really um, pulled it off. I thought it was very fascinating. They were incredibly articulate. Um, I, but I took that, one debate class in high school and I don't know how people do it. I just it's a skill. Yeah. I don't have the attention. I don't have the attention span to. Do yeah, it. me either. But <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to support them because I want to, I want to, I just wanted to, I wanted a taste of what that was. I was definitely, uh, that is not my area, but I thought it was very fascinating to watch them. And also at that age, right. We were in high school. Right. So the fact that like, you know, we're watching our peers like debate. I mean, I could just, and debate across in Berlin, you debated not not just locally. It was called United Nations, and so literally because we were in Europe, you we went to different countries um, sure. where they would also uh, where they would debate. Again, I was never one that was I was never up there with them. I just was kind of in the peripheral. But mm-hmm. it was exciting to just you know to see peers doing this, and it made me wonder like, what are you going to do when you when you graduate? Like, do you have a career? Is this like what what area are you going to go into? Um, and so I haven't kept up with a lot of people that were in it, but actually, no, I have two of them are lawyers. So I was about to say, you either become a lawyer <laughs> or a politician. Yeah. Well, the two that I remember that were in my, that were in my peer group or my class, uh, two of them, now that I think about it, did become lawyers and they're part of our, our mm-hmm. women, um, high school group. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. When, when, when you get out of high school and go to college, well, hey, where do you decide to go to college? Because you you said you graduated in Berlin, and, <laughs> yeah. and then you know, how do you decide what you want to study? Good question. So my, um, I was really involved in in my school uh, in high school. Mm-hmm. Everything. You know, I talked a little bit about the sports part, but I also was part of the drama club, which some would say was a natural fit. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> no. Um, but I feel like I was very involved and especially in student government and like to have my hands in everything. And I got so I enjoy um, high school so much. I didn't focus so much on college. I was just like, I'll get there when I get there. You know, like, sure. Whatever happens, happens. Um, 
I knew though that my dad, my, we'd had a conversation and my dad was not a fan of going to an art school. He was like, just, he just like a lot of parents then. And even now they yeah. just see, yeah. you know, art as a starving artist. They don't yeah. see what you could, you know? So, um, I decided to go to their alma mater, my parents. I was like, well, if they're not, if he's not going to support me going to, you know, RISD or Pratt or Parsons, then I'm just going to, I'm going to go to their alma mater. It can't be that bad. That's where my parents met. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been to the campus a, a couple of times just over the years, really vaguely with them, but I was just like, you know, it's fine. If they, if they have a four-year program and it's, um, and it's, again, their alma mater, then I'll go. My mom had majored in clothing and retailing. And so throughout okay. my high school years, because she had always sewn um, throughout that time frame, I and she made a lot of my clothes and um, I had the, the superlative of best dress. I thought that I wanted to go into, I really thought I wanted to go into fashion mm-hmm. um, and illustration. And so when it was time to go to college, I was like, oh, well, my mom majored in clothing retailing. And I know they took, she took some, you know, she took, obviously fashion classes and some illustration classes. I said, well, I'll just do that. Um, and, and when I told my parents, they were like, okay, that's, you know, that's cool. Apply, you know, see, let's see, you should be able to get in, but you never know. Um, so I, <laughs> I applied, but I did not check to see if, um, my mom's program was still there. <laughs> I just applied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think I, I can see where this is going. <laughs> So I got in and, um, you know, my parents were, for the most part, I don't, I can't say that they were ever truly excited because to be honest, like my dad, when he was in, when he was active duty, he was a bully. He was mean. He was, he ran, you know, he was always on top. So he was, he was, he had a lot of, um, he had a lot of, <laughs> I'm trying to have be nice, but, um, Let's just say my dad was very focused on his career. The big fanfare was like, okay, it was like I said, it was almost expected. Mm-hmm. My mom was, you know, she was excited as well. Neither one of them asked me what my degree would be. They just were happy that I was going. And then on top of that, going to our alma mater, cool, fine. It was almost like you check, I checked the box, and we we're going to keep moving. Sure. And in fact, that's what happened because when they dropped me off in, at school, um, or they dropped me off actually at my grandparents' house, they literally dropped me off and said, okay. We'll see you at Christmas because they moved back to Berlin <laughs> and then relocated to another part of the uh, part of the country. Uh-huh. So um, I was in the hands of my grandparents, and um, and they were great. And they weren't that far from from Tallahassee. And so I get into the school, get into the program, and I realize, or I'm you know going through the motions of of doing orientation and stuff like that. And and I'm like, oh wait, that program is not here. Uh, so what are we gonna do? Um, and then do you I, go into panic mode at that point. <laughs> Nope. Cause I'm like, I'm going to work this out. <laughs> but I was like, what is good? I don't, I just, it was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I started looking at the course, the courses and I'm like, okay, well, there's a design class. There's a design program. Oh, it's graphic design. I'm not quite sure what that is, but mm-hmm. it can't be too far fetched, um, from, from the program that my mom had. And so I signed up for graphic design. However, I also, um, right next to Florida A&M is Florida state. Right, right. And they share a couple of, um, actual couple of programs. Like they share a school of engineering, um, and like two other ones. Gosh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting up in age and I can't rattle them off as <laughs> I it's used okay. to be. Um, but <laughs> I knew engineering was one of them. Um, so I, so what I saw and noticed was that my mom's program was no longer at Florida A&M, but it was at Florida state. So I said, okay, well, I'm not going to get out of, I'm not going to, I'm not going to switch programs yet. I'll just, since I'm here, 
I'll just I'll t- start taking these graphic design courses and maybe I'll just I'll switch over to um, clothing and retailing at Florida State. Mm-hmm. And then as it turned out over time, I ended up just sticking with it because um, I found you know graphic design intriguing and um, I thought that I don't know I could I could see how it could how I could create a career out of it, sure. um, a sustainable career. Plus, my coll- some of my peers, um, the older ones, actually the ones that were a year or two years ahead, they had gotten jobs that were, you know, in branding and marketing and all related to design. But then there were a couple that had actually gone the media route and they had been involved in the, our school newspaper or mm-hmm. um, our school newspaper and, you know, had befriended journalists and stuff like that. And they had then they then were going to graduate and go into you know newspaper or magazine. And since most of my program, the bulk of my program, they the professors encouraged us to go, you know, work for like the Procter and Gamble's, the Coca-Cola's, those big brands, those big Fortune 500 um, brands. I wasn't, I was like, I don't think that's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted, I felt like I wanted to go a little bit against the grain. Sure. Um, and I had gotten involved, I got involved with our um, school newspaper through one of those upperclassmen. And I learned a lot, you know, I learned having a relationship with the journalism students, broadcast students. I learned a lot about, not just about design, but communication. It, and I, I wasn't. Sorry. Is, okay. is that where the bug for publication design kind of bit you? It did. Yeah, it did. And it was, and it was because of that exposure, you know, um, I learned about the industry organizations related to publication design, not society of publication design, but actually society of news design. Oh, and wow. that's, vi- yeah, it's very similar, except for everything they, fo- everything they focus on is related to, um, to, to newspapers and mm-hmm. to more news. Uh, and that's, yeah. And so I got involved there and um, I also noticed that there were a ton of newspaper recruiters coming and broad and um, uh, news outlets coming to the School of Journalism. Um, even though my school was my program was School of Media Jur- School of Journalism, Media and Graphic Arts, there were a lot of recruiters coming from well-known um, industries or outlets um, to the journalism program to recruit journalists and broadcast journalists. And when I saw all of those, you know, saw that happening, I thought, yeah, okay, you know, there's a space for me here. I mean, they're not sending art directors down or creative directors down, but I probably can finagle my way into it because I'm looking at a newspaper. I know this is, you know, industry organization. I know their creatives there. I just need to find the the right one that will, you know, can bring me on. So Uh I started interviewing with, with uh, different newspapers and, you know, and the rest is, I don't want to say the rest is history, but I started going (laughs) that direction. Gotcha. Um, However, I always, at the back of my mind, always wanted to go into fashion of sure. some sort. Um, I always wanted to, you know, I was trying to figure out simultaneously how to make that happen. Um, a lot of people are told, and I even say this to people now, like if you're, when you're first starting out in something to really hone your craft around that thing. Mm-hmm. Don't try to like jump into all the different things. Like don't, really don't be a generalist, that. be a specialist. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from there you'll learn a lot and then you will, you know, you can go, go in these different directions. And so, um, that's kind of what I did. I stayed with, with media okay. and then my first internship, I mean, not first internship, but but one of my internships, I got the opportunity to then go into like retail. And then that's a whole nother story. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so, well, let's fast forward a little bit. 
Um, so you, you get out of college. What What's the first job, real job that you land? What are you doing? The first real job that I land was I actually came to USA Today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I had a series of back-to-back internships that had me like a like I took a whole year, what one would say a whole year off uh-huh. to do back-to-back internships. But my okay. first job was um, was working at USA Today as an assistant art director um, for the magazine that has since folded, mm. which is called USA Weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there I it was a small team. Um, very, very small team because we were weekly. We worked six weeks in advance. Um, we were very we we're very similar to Parade. Actually, we were the competitor Parade. Sure. Uh, we had 28 million um, readers and it came in not it, the publication didn't come in your USA Today. It came in other um, newspapers. So mm-hmm. Gannett owned it, it appeared in most Gannett papers mm-hmm. and then on a few I think in a few other random outlets, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was great. It was, it was, a uh, very templated, but there was a lot of opportunity to use, you know, different photographers, um, different illustrators, um, and really communicate whatever that content was. Um, it was the first time I, you know, got involved in celebrity shoots or mm-hmm. just shoots in general, um, professional shoots, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, you have like a actual call sheet <laughs> uh, and there's actual direction and people sure. sign off on that direction. And I was fortunate that my boss um, at the time had had, had two. Um, they gave me a lot of one in particular gave me a lot of a lot more leeway. The first one was a little bit of a micromanager. Sure. The second one came in and was like and had a knack for um, mentoring okay. um, junior designers. Yeah. And so he like kind of he took me under his wing and, you know, and it helped like helped me get to know the lay of the land within this within the um, the public, not just publication design space, but also just in the design space because he had 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 a number of years. Uh-huh. And what's crazy is that years prior I had been I was working in Greensboro as an intern and um, he had gone to a conference in Atlanta I think it was an organization of black designers conference. And there were a few of my peers that had been, had, that were in different places that came for the conference. And we, I, we had gone into one of the workshop or one of the uh, lectures. And I think it was like on furniture design or something. And I came out of it and I was so, I felt like I was in high school again. I was so charged, <laughs> you know, like we should do this and that and this. And I can't, you know, and it was so fiery. And I remember looking over and there was this guy just was like listening to me on this rant. And he walked over and he said, you know, we should stay in contact. Here's my cart. And I was just, I was fired up. I, I wasn't trying to hear him or anybody else, you know, like, sure. I just felt like we need to, we as, you know, junior designers really need to take advantage of these opportunities. And, and why don't we have this as, you know, like I was just going on this full on rant. I don't understand. You were not we using your debate skills. <laughs> I was not using that at all. <laughs> that was not, but it was clear to this guy that, um, he that I could probably use some of his, guidance. Sure. Um, and so he gave me his card and said, we should stay in contact. And I said, okay. And then, and I didn't, um, and that <laughs> was, <laughs> that was probably like, I was, I'm, I'm going to say that was probably like in the sp- um, springtime. Cause I can't remember actually what year, maybe 87, sure. I mean, maybe 97. Uh, and then he, so fast forward many years now and mm-hmm. I'm at USA weekend and this guy comes through the, I'm, I'm going through the halls of USA today and this guy comes through and he looks eerily familiar. 
And I'm like, I walk by, he says hello. And I say hi. And I, I keep walking. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that was that guy that was like, like years ago. So that was really great. Um, because then I was like, what did I say? I like started thinking about what did I say that that one day, like did he overhear me saying, but he actually was like, <laughs> he was, it was fine. It ended up being fine. And again, he took me under his wing. Mm-hmm. We became fast friends. My mom now has him on speed dial. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> cause she meets everybody. Um, and, uh, your mom sounds like my mom. Oh my God. Does your, okay. When your mom meets people, when your mom meets your peers or your, yes. your colleagues, does she like try, I mean, she not try, but does it naturally just happen where she somehow gets like their social media information or their direct phone number? Uh, usually social media information nowadays, but yes, yes. Yeah. Does your mom also reach out to them periodically without, you know, maybe including you on that group text? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, that's Deb. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, we, yeah, your mom and my mom are kindred spirits because that is Deb. My mom um, is still friends with ex girlfriends of mine that I like. I mean, like I'm I, I don't have a bad relationship with them. Like I'm probably Facebook friends with them, but she's like carrying on conversations with them. Yeah, that's <laughs> Deb. That is yeah. That <laughs> happened to her in the airport. She uh, was like, she heard. She said she heard somebody call her name years after the fact, and she uh-huh. said she turned around and she was like, "Oh my gosh, it was so and so." And I said, "Okay." And she was like, "And we just were talking." And I was like, "Why? What? Why, Why though? Why?" <laughs> like, yeah. this is this relationship ended. She was like, "I know, but he's just so nice, and I just, you know, I liked him." And I, okay, okay, all right, all right, <laughs> all right. yeah. I, they, yeah, and periodically I used to get um, shortly after that I did get updates on his um, family situation, you know, new <laughs> kid, and, and she would send me a text, and I'm like, why? Why do you think I care though? Because I don't talk about him at all. But you, I mean, I'm, if you guys have a relationship, that's fine. But like, leave me out of it. Like, I don't need to know. Uh, I don't need to know anything. Um, but yeah, Deb is that person who, you know, when she meets somebody and she thinks they're, you know, they, they have a good vibe or um, they just are a nice person, she will, you know stay in contact and mm-hmm. it will be, you know, Facebook or she'll, like I said, she'll get their direct number, especially if they're a, co- a, um, a coworker. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll get their, te- their work telephone number. Um, she'll <laughs> find out what kind of cookies they like to eat. Um, cause in- inevitably they'll get a, um, I will either she'll mail them directly or I'll have to be the person. <laughs> I'll have to be the mule that like brings it in. Um, oh, but no. she'll, yeah, she'll say like, um, like now she'll say, what is she? She'll say, Oh, you know, Chris and Todd, they like they like peanut butter cookies with the with the um the Hershey's on them, right? I'm like, well, well, I mean, who doesn't you know, like t- those? I I agree, but <laughs> she'll say like, but doesn't Chris like the oatmeal raisin one? You know, like she'll say like she'll and get like, more specific. <laughs> like I don't know. Why don't you reach out to him? Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'm gonna reach out to him then. You know, it's that kind of stuff. And the next thing you know, you know, I'll go home. If that's for if that's during the holidays, mm-hmm. then she'll make a ten and she'll be like, well, just pack this in. Like I can mail you. I'll mail you your clothes that you brought down here, but pack this tin in so you can take it with you so that when you get back, you can immediately give it to them. Really? That's not quite that bad. (laughs) I'm saying, I mean, and if it's not that Deb will actually, she will FedEx the the cookies, you know, and the tin Mm -hmm. to either my location or their location. And they will, they will get, you know, they'll get their, their gift. So I love her, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, so, um, 
Deb and my my new boss, this guy Leon, um, were they were great. I mean, they they didn't talk all the time, but she was um, she realized that he you know was a mentor, could be a mentor for me. Mm-hmm. But it was she saw that I feel like there was a, that pattern. <laughs> there was a pattern with that throughout my entire has been a pat that has been a pattern throughout my entire career of mm-hmm. working is that she finds these people who are you know. <laughs> great humans, <laughs> but that she also wants to be friends with. And, and, um, and so she does. Sure. Um, but yeah, USA weekend was great. Um, it was again, my first job. It was the first time I was exposed to AIGA as well, mm-hmm. because okay. in my school, we didn't have that. Um, and I wasn't, when I was doing internships, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't looking for industry organizations per se, because, um, again, when you, I would say, and I'm going to stare, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm a stereotype based on the people, the fellow news designers that I was around. Sure. But they weren't talking about AIGA because they had their own industry mm-hmm. organization, society, news design. OK, so then and, and we talked about specialty, like everybody was hyper specialized in some form of fashion in design, whether you're a photographer or designer or illustrator. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing growing up going in early prior to my career, I was not familiar with AIGA. Okay. I, I knew all of the conference of the SD research, um, mm-hmm. research the other newspapers and other creatives in different places, just so I can like follow them and sure. kind of see where they're going and maybe emulate. Um, and so when I got to USA weekend, there was one person, the art director who, um, her name's Pam, and she was the only person who had a membership with AIGA. Okay. And she would go every so often, but not as often as like as often as I as I would have hoped that she would have. Mm-hmm. However, when I att- uh, accompanied her to my first one of my first big AIGA events, um, <laughs> which was an the AIGA national conference that happened to be in DC, and there was a party with Milton Glaser at Library Congress. Then I said, you know what? We need to take another look at this membership because you can't be the only one that has it. Like this, this is what AIG is doing. Mm-hmm. You have people like Milton Glaser at the library. What? No. So I um, began to um, lobby for, well, not lobby. I began to volunteer um, with AIGA uh, locally um, to the point that um, when it, when it was time for my mid-year, not mid-year, my uh, year in reviews, I would say like, you know, can we renew my membership? Can I get a membership? Can I renew my membership? This is what I'm doing, this and the other. And um, it came to the point where uh, I was so involved that I then became a board member. Um, and then mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was it was without a shadow of a doubt that I was going to be super involved. And I was less inclined to be involved with a society of news design because USA Weekend was, a, was one of those that was a, kind of like a hybrid, right? It was a tabloid. Sure. And even though it was on printed on news stock, um, I mean newspaper, or a new, uh, yeah, a newspaper stock, um, basically a shitty paper, yeah, uh, had a little transparency in it. It was very muddy when the ink touched it. Yeah. Um, we used and employed creatives that worked for um, a lot of those other magazines. And my goal after being at USA Weekend, I knew that the next thing I wanted to do was work in a magazine. Mm-hmm. And so throughout that, once I came to that realization. I and started seeing again, started really realizing that a lot of these photographers and illustrators that we're using are, are ones that have um, consistent clients that, that are consistent magazine clients. I said, okay, I've, I've got to switch over. It can't be that hard. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, switching from newspaper to a magazine is probably one of the hardest things I, I've noticed a designer, well, 
my peers and I. It was one of the hardest things for us to do. Do you think it's because um, the publications just kind of pigeonhole you as one type of designer? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's exactly it. And it was, I mean, it didn't matter. It didn't matter who I spoke with and who I had connections with. They just could not unsee that it was a newspaper, you know, sure. that I came from USA Today. Um, and I met, when I say I like, you know, researched and a, a, and popped up at places. I mean, I remember I once flew, Time Inc. had a, an event in Atlanta and I did, I flew down to Atlanta just for the evening, just to meet um, a hiring manager, oh, wow. you know, an executive editor, because, because my, my thing was, and I had over the years, this is what my mom had really instilled in me. My mom and my, and my, uh, previous bosses, not just the one at USA weekend, you know, that you have to be exposed and you have to form those connections. Like sure, that's yeah. how people are getting jobs. Like, yes, stuff is posted, but it would be better more advantageous if you could actually meet the personality, meet the, meet the people in person, you know, show them your book, lobby for yourself. And so I took that to heart and, um, I would have, uh, I had, when I, when I was at USA Today, I had a little notebook and I ripped out, I ripped out and caught and, um, photocopied the massheads uh -huh. of, um, major publications or just a variety of publications. And I would put them all into this, um, little notebook and I would go through because people, you know, they moved around quite a bit, but I would, I was always looking at it. So I, so that anytime I was talking to somebody, I could say, okay, wait, yep. Greg Mumphreys, he was at people. And I'm looking, you know, I had that massive. So <laughs> I was, yeah, I was a little neurotic with it, but, um, there was an opportunity came up to do, you know, to go to, uh, Atlanta. And I remember corresponding with this person and they said, well, yeah, they thought that I was there already. And they said, oh yeah, you know, you should just come by, you know, and then we can chit chat. And I was like, Oh gosh, I'm done in DC. How's that going to work? And so I bought a ticket. It was the most I paid for like a 24 hour kind of thing, or actually it wasn't 24 hours. I was in and out, um, mid afternoon, evening, afternoon, evening. Um, mm -hmm. but I went and, um, and met the person and then she connected me with somebody else and, you know, kind of went from there. I never made it to time, uh -huh. but what it did do, it was a help brought in my network that allowed me to and necessarily full-time opportunities, but other opportunities um, to work with, with certain creatives. Sure. So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's for me and what I always tell people is, that, you know, you have to put in that work. You have to know the jargon. You know, you have to do the research sure. um, because people want to talk to people and want to onboard people who are really in it and who are hungry for it and passionate. Um, and I feel like some of the things I've done in my career, which hasn't been that much, <laughs> but the stuff that I've been happy with, has come from that, has come from, you know, the hard work of networking and, and doing the research. Sure. I'm curious with, you know, since you're in publication design and this doesn't necessarily tie in exactly to what we're talking about, but, um, with, and, and for people who don't know, you're, you're, What's your exact title at AARP? I don't remember. Right. That's okay. Deputy <laughs> something, art director. Okay. Deputy art. I knew there was art director in there. I just couldn't remember. <laughs> yes. it. Yeah. So you're, you're deputy art director at AARP. Um, and AARP then, Media, too. Let me say, let me, I should say that. Oh, okay. Deputy art director at AARP Media, just because AARP is huge and there's a, I'm in the editorial side of things sure. and, and there's a whole other brand, there's a brand department. Sure. Yeah. So you're there and, you've been there for a while now how with with the way that media has changed and especially print media has changed how has what you do um as a whole evolved 
It's evolved tremendously. Um, I would say ARP, the magazine, and ARP, the bulletin, are very fortunate to be on um, be the publishing arm mm-hmm. of be in the publishing arm of AARP, the largest nonprofit here in the U.S. The reason why I say that, while it's, while it's great and it's important, is because we're the we're one of the last of the um, print publications <laughs> that are. Um, being shared, uh, being produced. We have 38 million readers, but mm-hmm. that is not because people are like, oh my gosh, I want to, you know, pick up AARP the magazine. It's because we are affiliated with AARP, the largest nonprofit. Sure. And so, and people, you know, it's it's a bonus to their membership. Um, and their membership for 1650 is amazing. Yeah. But aside from that, we are the candy that comes with it. We are the service that comes with it. Mm-hmm. So we are fortunate because it's ARP, uh, you know, who advocates for 50 plus uh, the 50 plus market. We will, I won't say always be in print, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say it will always be in print. Sure. We also have the ability to um, go beyond and repurpose ourselves into different platforms mm-hmm. like the tablet. And so we have, we now are also, or for the past couple of years, we have a tablet version that's not static, not a PDF, but actually has interactivity. Sure. And we are also looking into and have launched as of like last year, newsletters. Okay. Um, so we are taking our content that we are serving that we normally would have just served through like letters and through print. And we're repurpose, repurposing or creating new content in the form of various platforms as people age and, um, and age into the ARP market mm-hmm. will actually digest. Right. So we are so like even though it's geared towards 50 plus, we know that a good percentage of our members enjoy print. Mm-hmm. We're still going to print and print. I'm, I'm we know curious. Some, do you think that that is specifically related to your demographic that people enjoy print? No. No. But okay. yes, yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. I think. I think at the end of the day, designers love print. Oh, Doesn't matter yeah. Who I, you are. I, I think creatives love print. Yes, I, I yeah. agree with that. I'm <laughs> just as far as the market itself goes. I think that. I think. I do believe that it's yes, I think our audience does enjoy print, but I also feel and this is where I don't have the data, but I also feel though that there are probably more people that would enjoy digital within our audience. Mm-hmm. We just know that print is one of those is 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 a blanket platform that we know everybody would enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's and, and what we're producing is leisure, right? I mean, or leisure and service. Sure. And so we want people to be able to digest that and, you know, take it and sit and, and sit down and highlight or cut out or share. And I think our audience does definitely do that. You know, they, they will rip, rip out stuff and they will mail it to, you know, friends and family. <laughs> even if your, mo- your, your, mom, your mom will mail, mail it to do your that. friends. <laughs> oh, like our colleagues, like we talk about that. We actually, um, t- the art department, which is about 12 people, we do, we periodically will talk about that. Like, is this something that, you know, people would want to share mm-hmm. and how do we go about, how, how should we set it up so that we can share it? You know? Um, and that's sometimes we, um, we do look at the design, uh, maybe put, take another look at it 
relook at it to see like what makes, you know, what makes sense. Is this something that should we devote a whole page to this so that people literally can rip it out Mm -hmm. and put it on their refrigerator and check it off or make photocopies? Or is this something that's just a nugget that we can like, you know, we can put a link in and they can just go to the web um, and do. So it, it kind of, I would say that this generation or this audience, yes, enjoys print, but at the same time, I wouldn't underestimate the fact that they also probably really enjoy digital. Sure. Yeah. So, and ARP is not to cut you off, but no, ARP no, is also um, is also in um, doctors' offices and dental offices and like healthcare provider offices. Mm-hmm. So people are picking it up that aren't necessarily the ARP, um, the typical ARP audience, maybe sure. fifty plus. Some of them are younger, and there's a lot of preventative information in in the publications that they could um, they could definitely benefit from. Oh yeah, well, I would much rather read a AARP than a highlights. I don't, I don't know about you. Well, you know, highlights has a coloring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but they do actually have that coloring bit, and it's a, they know. do. And ironically, I have a lot of friends who do illustrations for highlights, but See? I still don't want to read it all that no, much. No, you don't. You don't. And you know what? So, so here's the other thing that a lot of people do not know, and especially those that aren't that don't fall into this particular demographic. But last year we launched a newsletter um, that's geared towards 40 plus women called really? The Girlfriend. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I know this uh, probably a little too well because I art directed <laughs> that and this <laughs> other one that just launched last week. So I can I know a lot about it. But last year we launched it because we realized that there was an opportunity for us to connect with the Gen X uh, the 40 plus demo. And mm-hmm. that was something that's like nationally has not, we don't, you don't see a lot of. And, and so in addition to like, yes, wanting to create a pipeline of, you know, new members into ARP, we also just felt like there's no con, there's no real content for this demo. Mm-hmm. Um, so we launched it and it's been, it's been successful. It's a weekly newsletter, a weekly digital newsletter that comes out like this one comes out every Thursday and it's just geared towards, towards women. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have another one that launched uh, in August that's geared towards um, 40 plus African-American women. And we're seeing that that one is also, you know, doing, doing well. And just given the fact that like, you know, people do, they do like like print, but we also know these, these generations that are coming up want are a little more savvy. We want to make sure that we're also catering and catering to them in a platform that um, we know, we know from data and research that they would, um, you know, digest it. Sure. Well, I mean, do you think I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this with 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 digital becoming more and more prevalent? Do you think that allows you? You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, as a designer, you can be either a generalist or a specialist Mm -hmm. with digital going out. Does that allow the publication to be able to run more specialized features and to niche down in different categories? Yes, I think it does. Um, do we do it that often? Not we don't. We don't do it that often at ARP. But yes, I do believe that. Well, that you just gave two examples that are very niche, though. So I mean, as a whole, yeah. as a whole umbrella, yes, AARP is going to be general. But you you you've given yourself these opportunities to get into very specialized niche areas. Yes, we we. Ha- I guess when I think of a lot, I guess when I think of like. A variety. I think of places that have many more offerings sure. um, to be specialists. But yeah, I mean, we do. We have a few, and and we are we are constantly looking at ways to tap into those, you know, tap into those underserved um, demographics. 
I don't know, like, I don't know what the future lies for us if we're going to continue to do stuff in digital. I think that right now we are, we're just experimenting. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen the results of some of them and it's been great, but like in the publication world, so outside of AARP, generally if a publication can survive five or more years, Mm -hmm. then it it can probably survive. If it can't make it, if it doesn't make it to, you know, the struggle is, is the five year it's kind of like with marriage or with relationships, like seven years, it's, it's, sure. a, little, it's a little tense. Five years is what it usually <laughs> is for, I mean, yes, we've gotten through a year with this one, mm-hmm. but I think we're still trying to figure out what what's going to, what's next for it. Like, you know, are people still going to continue to want to be involved and interested mm-hmm. in this content? Um, so I would say we, we should check back in on that conversation, like in five years, but <laughs> sure. for right now or in before, but, sure. um, but for now, I do think that it's important for design for designers or publications to look at things, not just in the print form, but also in, in digital um, print is also expensive. Paper oh, yeah. is expensive. And yeah. that's a lot of the reasons why people end up doing zines or don't, you know, have a print or don't do print at all. Um, you know, digital is obviously like easy, easy, to, easy to, um, not so much easy to create, right. But it's easy to, for, for readers to, I say, keep on saying digest, but to engage with and to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that most people, you know, look at things on their phone. People have the attention span of a gnat, you know, they like, they skim, yep. um, pretty, pretty fast. And so, for us, we for us, I think we could have a whole conversation about that revolving around the current political climate. <laughs> yes, which we yes, but we are we are not going to go there today. No, but yes. no, that's a, that's a whole nother. Thing. That's an episode with some friends. That's a um, lot of episodes, I think. <laughs> that's yes, actually, that's its own that's its own app podcast, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a whole. You could, oh, I'm well we, aware. <laughs> okay, you're like yeah, I've been there, done that. Um, yeah, they. Uh, Oh, shoot. Now you got me. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's OK. That's OK. Um, yeah. I mean, I think specialty, I think creating specialty content is 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 good. But I think I think it's important for people to be intentional with that, like really yes. understand why you're producing it and the market that it's going to serve. Like there are so many there is so much content that's being produced that is like that just is irrelevant. Right. Yeah. I think at ARP, we are before we put our time into it, we do our research to see if it makes sense. And mm-hmm. if it's a, if there's a business, if there's a business case behind it, um, not even like, is it going to make us a ton of money? But really, is it relevant? Sure. Um, one of the ones that we did, we've done three specialty um we actually did three specialty tablet app apps a couple of years ago. Uh, the first one was mine, which was a beauty and style. It was the first time that ARP said, okay, we're going to focus just on beauty, the beauty and style market. And then we followed it up with a money app. Um, self, all of these were self-sustaining mm-hmm. um, apps and then a health one. And it was all information that was relative, relative and relevant to um, and tailored to the 50 plus market. Mm-hmm. None of them had ads in them, which in a way is kind of, it's good and it's good and bad um, because when people could just like, you know, download it and really get and get into it, click on links that, you know, would take them to whoever was talking, you know, to buy the product or to see tutorials or to, you know, whatever. Um, and it was we saw a huge uptick and um and people who engaged with it and who were, you know, who were like, oh, this is great information. We love that, you know, ARP is, is looking a little deeper into these specific subjects. Um, so I would say, yeah, I think that we are, ARP is very, um, 
again, very intentional about the content they put out. They don't, they realize there's a lot of places people could go for, to get information. Sure. And they, we feel like we are experts in certain things. Um, and so we're going to do the due diligence of, you know, of having a, a team of fact checkers and copy editors, you know, really comb through that content so that when people pick it up, they, go, they, they, they see that not just the value, but they, they know that we have done our research, our, our homework mm -hmm. and making sure that we're providing the service, uh, whatever service the person is, is looking for. Um, we also have an Alexa, believe it or not. Um, we have like, if you go on Alexa, you can call up some ARP, you can call up ARP news and stuff. So yeah. I'm the guy um, who's terrified of Alexa. I don't want something that listens to me all the time and not even in a conspiracy theorist way, mm -hmm. just in a, I don't like people having like the whole reason for these companies to do that is just to collect data. It's, mm -hmm. you know, I don't like people having that much data on me. Yes. And you know, that's exactly what my dad, big Walt said. <laughs> I got him one, um, because we had, we did a demo at AARP and I was like, Oh, well, maybe big Walt would like it. And it was like right after the, um, right after SNL did the spoof, yeah right it was yep. it was great it was funny i mean some oh people, it was perfect my parents thought it was hilarious too <laughs> it was hilarious and and i'm gonna say like a lot of people really a lot of people in turn are like this, this that was hilarious like we kind of wish that we had done it like we had oh you know, yeah we yeah. had produced that um and then there were other people who, who didn't think it was so funny uh, <laughs> but well they also tell people to get off their yards and i mean but come on <laughs> you've met Oh yeah, you met those people. You met those people. Demoed it internally. Um, I thought, oh, my dad might like this, and he had kind of the response that you had. Actually, he was mm -hmm. like, I don't know about this. He's like, I don't think I'm going to connect it to. I don't think I'm going to sync it with all the things that it wants me to sync it to. I don't think I want to have that much information and mm -hmm. access. And he said, he's. I don't know. I haven't talked to him recently about it to see how he really is using it. But I know that he was playing around with it, um, all the while knowing that. It can be listening to you. It listens to your conversation, whether or not, you know, you're talking to it or not. Sure. And that is very scary to him. Yeah. Um, well, so. I mean, I love the I absolutely love the idea. idea of the convenience of it. It's just mm -hmm. the fact that it's it's a microphone that is constantly on and mm -hmm. constant, not that I'm doing anything bad or no. saying anything, though. You know, going back to the political joke, I guess, you know, in this environment, I might be. But um <laughs> <laughs> See, um, but I just there's all of these companies. They're you know the the thing behind it is to collect data to better serve mm -hmm. to advertisers and marketers and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. being that I am you know a designer who works in a field where you know I'm using that data, I think that is what makes me <laughs> hesitant Nervous. to want to give it out. <laughs> Yeah, willingly given out, right? Yeah, because yeah, people yeah. could find out and find out what they want to find out. It's oh, just, yeah. You would literally be like, here you go. Yeah. Come on in. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I'm also the one Makes who sense. forgets my password, and like, or my <laughs> wife will forget the password. So we will oh, be no. screaming it across the uh, oh. house at each other. So, yeah, maybe <laughs> so, you don't get one. Somebody maybe. hacks that. <laughs> No, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't get one. You're yeah. right. It's, okay. I'm nope. sure, I'm just, sure I will eventually break down and get something like that. But right now, eh, I'll wait. No, we're going to take, we're going to, I'm just going to cross through that on the Christmas list. No Alexa for Jason. <laughs> just to make sure. Cause yeah. you're right. I mean, but you know, but that's the thing though. Again, 
people people want to get your uh, information. They'll get it. However, oh, yeah, with yeah. those devices, those AI devices, it, you know, you are literally just giving serving it to them on a spoon. Yeah, um, so. Yeah. So. It's being conscious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now that we, oh, <laughs> I was going to say, now that we've gotten off on a tangent with that. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I'm good for I'm good for a tangent. Oh, um, so am I. So am I. Okay. So I, I want real quickly because we're we're <laughs> I, I want to be able to wrap this up and kind of you know give people your full story and I'm, th- th- this has been <laughs> okay. this has been a great conversation so I'm going to have to have you back on to uh get more of it but I want to touch on your role in AIGA in the DC area and what what you what you do there Oh well okay I'm the <laughs> AIGA DC yes AIJDC is uh, a wonderful, is my favorite chapter. I'm, I'm being full bias here. Um, I've been with the. You're allowed to. I've been on the board. <laughs> I've been on the board for over ten years, in various capacities, mainly education and mentoring, I would say. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm. I've been on. I'm the oldest one, oldest mm-hmm. by not age, <laughs> but by tenure, <laughs> by serving, uh, by board membership, and. Um, for that reason, I I feel like now I'm more of a, a more of an advisor. Mm-hmm. My actual title is strategic initiatives director, and I oversee um, design for democracy, women's lead, um, design for good, and the design continuum scholarship fund mm-hmm. um, that our chapter has here in, in, in DC. So basically, I oversee the initiatives that align with AIGA National. Um, and the board members that that work on those. Um, prior to that, I was over at diversity and inclusion, and and so diversity and inclusion is also within that. But um, it was just diversity and inclusion, just a scholarship, and, and mm-hmm. now it's morphed into like just kind of overseeing those these strategic initiatives. Um, I do feel though, I will say that I, I'm an advisor role as well because when you've been on when you've been affiliated with something for a long time, you um, you know that you know who some of the players are internally, externally. You know how to navigate certain personalities, you know, outside of your board. Um, and I feel like I've seen us produce so many types of events. I can give guidance on like the ones that kind of work or could be better. The one or I, give, I can give guidance on programs that were super successful mm-hmm. um, um, and from the vantage point of a board member and also blocks that we faced. So sure. I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, I do contribute in that way of like, well, you know, maybe try this approach, uh, maybe do that. Mm-hmm. But for the um, the people that, are, that fall under me and also just everybody, I my role, I believe, though, is to encourage and empower them to really take advantage of the opportunities that they have within the um, role that they play on the board. Mm-hmm. So for those that are doing, you know, d- doing design for good, like helping them you know, again, navigate that design for good space. What is it that you want to do that could benefit, help us benefit um, our community uh, when it comes to the women's lead? Actually, the women's lead chair is phenomenal, but, um, you know, helping her, helping everybody kind of look at the program, the initiatives that we have um, and look under, under the lens of not just what you want to do, but how we can better serve our community 
and also be under underlining be inclusive okay. because it's real easy to come up with programming and it's come up come up with programs or events or have conversations and it be just through the lens of just say the board members who have only had X amount of experience. Sure. Um, but it's another to look at your community and say, okay, who are we not? Who are we excluding here? And how can we bring them into this conversation under Design for Democracy, Women's mm. Lead, Design for Good? you know, the scholarship, so on and so forth, making sure that we are serving again, just really serving, not just our, our community first, but also the people that are watching from afar that can't be part of it, but that want to, um, it goes back to like, again, I go, I go back to being exposed. I remember when I was in college, one of the reasons why I, I feel like I went, I stayed with graphic design. One of the reasons was because, um, I felt like, and specifically media, because I felt like I had not been exposed to that within my program. Sure. If I had not stepped outside and worked with these upperclassmen in journalism on the school newspaper, I would not have been paid a lot. I wouldn't have paid a lot of attention to media. I would have gone into, I would have stayed within branding, you know, and again, I probably would have worked for a fortune 500 company or a museum because we were doing some exhibit design. I go back to being, to exposing people to the different things that are out there. And so my role on the board, again, um, even though I'm overseeing initiatives, strategic initiatives, um, there's, uh, there's like, you know, 15 other board, 15 or more other board members that are doing different things. My other role is to help expose them to the other opportunities that are out there for, for us to engage with you know, again, the community and those that are beyond. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that and makes I just, complete like, sense. Mess up. No, okay. no, no. <laughs> I, I, I definitely understand what you're doing. It's a, it's a multi-tiered role, and yeah, there, there's a lot of things you've got to make sure that you are developing enough um, specialized programming to create interest, but not make it so specialized that you exclude people. Correct. Yeah. You said it. That is exactly it. Very strategic <laughs> in that too, right? Uh -huh. Because it's not like you don't just, you know, do this and then that and this. You have to be strategic in all of that and how you go about doing it so that it doesn't come across forced, sure. right? Or, or blatant. And so I feel like my role, um, even though they haven't, you know, come out and necessarily said that, but I feel like that is my role um, as somebody who's been on the board for a while. Mm -hmm. It's my, my role to like kind of help, help other people um, strategically, you know, do their jobs. Sure. So. We need we need somebody like you at my chapter. <laughs> Happy to be there. <laughs> um, we yeah, I mean it's been AIGDC has been um, a godsend for me, um, especially going back to exposure part, especially because you know I specialize in the in publication design, and when I when I moved to the DC area, I did not know I didn't know the DC area. Mm -hmm. I came to specifically to work at USA Today, but I didn't, and USA Today was like in Northern Virginia. Um, I didn't know DC and what AIJ did was, um, it, they helped me learn the landscape. Okay. Um, the different, every time we had an event, it was in a different place. So <laughs> then I got to, right. So yeah. I got to know the city, um, you know, regardless of where, if it was a big event or a small event, um, I learned how to be an event producer. Um, and so, you know, as a programming director, as a programming coordinator, when I first started, I had a, you know, like a lot of them had to produce an event. I know nothing about producing an event. I mean, mm. I could throw a house party, like, you know, but that's really, that's different when you're inviting people like Debbie Melman yeah, or yeah. Callen. Like, quite a bit different, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I mean, I'm sure stuff. Debbie Melman likes a good house party. I mean, um, yeah, okay. We could, we should ask her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she probably, she probably would come, but that would trip 
It's all love. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, soft skills that I was learning, right? And some and some hard and also some hard skills that I was learning as an AIJ uh, board member that I had not and didn't even really consider um, had I not been affiliated. And so. In the very beginning, I would say the first couple of years, it was really, it was an eye opener. And I was very thankful um, that, you know, somebody uh, or several people voted me in (laughs) to be part of it um, because I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I would have gotten into AIJ later, maybe so, um, but I appreciate everything they they did because they were giving me, um, they were helping me outside of my job. Mm-hmm. And while my boss, like I said, at the time was great and I loved what I was doing at USA Weekend, I still was I was hyper focused in media and publication. Sure. And this showed me that, like, wait, there are agencies here and there are some damn good ones here in the D.C. area, mm-hmm. you know, and um, there's these different um, disciplines uh, that you can you can get into. You know, I knew about them, but I didn't really know about them. Um, like I didn't know about Design Army until I was with AIGA. I didn't know about graphic or polygraph. Like I didn't know any of those until mm-hmm. until I got involved because they weren't. That's not. I, I I never commissioned them. You know, never had. There was never a reason for me to reach out to any agency, local agency. Sure. Um, and so that was it. It was very very helpful. And now I feel I'm a lot more comfortable with engaging and talking with you know disciplines that I'm not in. Mm-hmm. Um, but for others, my goal is to is to help them be comfortable, get get to that level of being comfortable um, and and somewhat familiar. Um, it's it was you know nothing is nothing is easy, uh, especially when you're working with a you know keeping in mind that we're all volunteers, right? And mm-hmm. so it's really easy to um, dive into this world and forget that you're not getting paid for it, <laughs> and <laughs> that you. Yes, you know, you want to stay up all night brainstorming and, you know, helping to produce this thing. Uh, you do have to go to work the next day. Sure. Um, you do have, you know, your your bills to pay. And sometimes your boss is not going to be OK with with you leaving in the middle of the day to go and do, you know, a site visit or have a conference, you know, call yeah. with somebody yeah. like. So it's it's being mindful of that. But I think our chapter, I mean, our chapter really has done um, an outstanding job of. I would say the programming structure. I mean, we run like a business, like a small business. Um, mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, there are many um, programs, you know, document uh, spreadsheets, um, various analytics. Like, I mean, it. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm grateful. I'm sometimes at times I'm a little scared, um, <laughs> but only because I'm just like, wow, this is so detailed and sure. so heavy. But we run like a small business. I mean, there is checks and balances. There are you know, resource document, it's just, it's really great. And I wish that more people could see that back end part. Mm-hmm. Um, but we work hard as a team and we, we lean on each other and we, um, we listen, you know, part of being part of any team, regardless if it's volunteer or not, is listening to each other. Um, so we listen to each other. We listen to the the members. Um, we're trying to break down this, uh, you know, this, this people see us, have seen over the years thought that AIJ was elitist. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been trying to break down that um, image. And I think our chapter, again, I can't speak for other chapters, but I will say that I feel like our chapter has done a, a good job at trying to do that, sure. trying to break it down um, and, and um, tap into, again, these underrepresented, you know, uh, disciplines that are in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we struggle to, we struggle with, but we're, you know, constantly working on is the fact that we serve Northern Virginia, Southern Maryland and D.C. Mm-hmm. And our traffic is crazy. Yeah. So we're always thinking of ways. How do we reach those members who work? And those places out who work outside of DC that can't come in, 
how do we work with the parents? You know, like we do a lot of things for younger people, right? For those millennials. But what about those, what about those members that are, you know, 40 and 50 and 60 plus Mm -hmm. who have businesses who want to retire them? What do we do about the parents who have kids who have, who do, who have those, who have parental responsibilities and have to go home or they can't make it to the early morning event because they're trying to get their kids, you know, on the bus to school or drop Mm -hmm. them off or whatever. So we're constantly looking at that. I'm constantly helping them look and shape programming and conversations and communications that relate to all of those things. And it's no easy feat because again, this is a volunteer job. I got a pretty intense job during the day. Not, and we don't want to talk about early morning stuff. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but you know, it's like my, I realize that like I am, I'm in it. And when I, sign up for something and my name is a tag, I go all the way in and I'm there to help and support. Incredibly important to me, Um, not exposure for myself, but exposure for those, those people and those things that need to be amplified. Um, I think that I, I, as a, as a woman, as a black woman, a black woman designer and media, I can count how many black female creative directors are in publishing, like in the, you know, and that is, it's slim. It's really slim. So for me, I realized that like my role and involvement with AIGA or anything else is important for those young, for those young women or men or whoever, but especially the young women that look like me seeing me and knowing that like you too could be here. You just have to put some work into it. You know, (laughs) Um, it's important for me to, you know, when I look at other demographics that aren't me, but I see that are underrepresented, you know, they also are, you know, have a place at the table. For instance, Gallaudet University is here, right here in the DC area. Right, right. Um, there are deaf designers that are here that we don't always engage with. You know, mm-hmm. we are working, our chapter is working to work with them, work a little bit closer with them because they're here. They're right here in our backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, my goal again is just to continue to champion, champion those, amplify those voices of the designers, not just designers, but creatives, because, you know, not everybody is a, look, call himself a designer. Um, but yeah, just kind of build up our, our creative community. Very cool. I, and I, so I'm going to have to have you back on cause I really do want to <laughs> talk about this and I want to, I, I, I want to dive more into the inclusivity and, you know, the, the role of, you know, being a black female designer in, oh yeah in the industry and all that. And I, and I know, and I want to dive into your freelance work too. And especially <laughs> your, 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 your digits project with HP and um, all that. I'm also curious about how, you know, what that was like, cause you did part of it with your dad, didn't you? Yeah. I have a project coming up with him. I just have not, I have the files and I'm going to be honest, I have not opened them yet. I, I mean, I have, I looked at them and I was like, oof, I need to get into that. Um, yeah, I did. After I did, after in the midst of doing daily digits, the getting up to a thousand uh-huh. in the midst of that, I went home and I had this epiphany and I was like, you know what, I'm going to, we should do this. And we just, we knocked it out that weekend. And then I went back to doing my regular like daily digits. Sure. Um, and that was, uh, maybe a year two. And actually, oh my gosh, it's embarrassing. I think it was like two years ago that oh, we geez. did this. And I know, I know. And it's just been sitting there because it's time. It's a whole nother daily digits project. Mm-hmm. It's not that long, but I just want, before it goes out into the world, I feel I just need to, I need to package it, you know? Sure. So, mm-hmm. well, cool. So but I'm excited. Yes. Go ahead. So I didn't mean, to <laughs> oh no, that's okay. Okay. No, no. Um, well, yeah. So we'll we'll have you back on, um, and and we'll get into all of that stuff. But <laughs> okay. real quickly, um, what what um, 
What exciting do you have coming up that you can talk about? Exciting. Let's see. I would say at the moment, it would probably be my some HP stuff that I'm doing. So some of the things that are exciting to me that are coming up are my HP engagements. Mm-hmm. It's been fun working with them. And I'm going to go to their, um, I'm going to do an event with them in Chicago and an event in Denver during Denver Design Week, actually. Oh, awesome. um, we're going to talk about, we're going to actually, it's going to come out, um, or excuse me, I'm going to be doing a panel talk with HP, I believe on October 17th or 18th. Oh, okay. Um, at Denver Design Week. Yeah. So that's, I think, the most exciting thing that's that's happening to me personally. Um, other than that, I, I'm excited about some of the AIGA events that are coming up. Uh, we have DC Design Week coming up the third week in October. Okay. And third and slightly fourth uh, week of October. And then we have a big scholarship fundraiser that we're doing um, to celebrate 10 years of the scholarship um, in November. So I'm excited about that from an AIGA perspective. Um, and then as far as AARP, we have some more digital, um, some more digital engagement, not engagements. Um, oh, I can't even, newsletters. Mm-hmm. I just to say that. I'll just say that. I'll blanket <laughs> statement. We have AARP, we have some newsletters that we are considering doing. Okay. Um, targeted towards specific demographics. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited, but I'm also scared um, because there's, our team is very small <laughs> and, um, <laughs> as a person who's overseeing the creative on it, it's just, wow. More work for just, you. <laughs> more work for you. I love it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it, it's more work for me, but you know what I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to try to be brief. The one thing I will, I, I will say that I love about these, this, um, have two men, mm-hmm. My goal is to only hire women for really? the illustrations and photography. Yes. So I have a photography colleague um, and she's responsible for photo. And since I oversee creative, but I'm really um, involved in the illustration assignments, I make sure that every female, every illustration is a female artist, um, whether they are established or they are emerging. I want this is an opportunity for them to get um, exposure but for them also to try something different because sometimes I hire people who this may not necessarily be uh, their exact um, beat, but mm-hmm. they I see some talent there and I can I can work with them on it. Uh, and because it's a weekly newsletter that allows me to have 52 <laughs> um, different you know females be part of it. And not, I wouldn't say everybody is a, a new person, sure. um, but it gives me the opportunity to to hire, you know, portrait the people who do portraits or who do um you know, lifestyle illustrations. Uh, and now well, like if you need recommendations, I will uh, be more than happy to send you over some people who I think do awesome work. I would be delighted because let me tell you, I find them anywhere and everywhere. I always go through. Now I do do deep dives. I'm that person who does deep, deep <laughs> dives into people's social, just to kind of see, you know, get the, get a vibe. And, sure. um, but yeah, that's my, that's my goal is that, um, everybody who participates since they're geared towards women specifically that they get that. And, you know, that's been part of the, a lot of conversations, um, Mm -hmm. representation. And I'm like, it's easy for me to do that on the, it's easy for me to do that because I have the keys to the car. Um, and there've been many times when I haven't had those keys to the car. And so, um, I'm going to drive that bitch. But, um, (laughs) the other part of that, that's kind of, that, that then, you know, is a little hard is, um, recent, you know, when you're looking for new people, looking for talent, whether it be male, female, whoever, um, you know, it, it takes time to do that. So I do spend a lot of 
you know, time after hours doing mm-hmm. the research to look for new talent. So sure. um, I'm not going to say it's easy, but yeah. No, I completely understand that. Uh, I, I have to do the same thing. You have to. Yeah. Anybody who says, oh, I, I can only, I only want to do it during my work hours. I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time then. I have a hard time really connecting with you because I think in our, in our business, it doesn't stop at five no. or six. You're always, you're always on the lookout for new talent your, or voices um, or opinions or concepts. And sometimes those things happen, almost always happen mm-hmm. outside of the workplace. You mm-hmm. know, it's when you're, you know, it's when you're in the park with your kids, you know, it's when you're on the train. Like, so for anybody who likes, who shuts down their brain after five or tells me, well, I only want to do it during this time. I'm like, ah, I, yeah, okay. I apply because, that to budgets and expense reports. <laughs> yeah. No, that's yes. And I think that's, I think that's, I think that's where you should. Right. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to creative process and, and ideating and I, I hate that word, but yes, when it comes to coming up with I ideas, <laughs> I just, oh my gosh, it's like, what? It sounds so, so corporate, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when it comes to, when it comes to coming up with ideas, I feel like you can't, you know, there's no time. You don't put a time, can't put a time on that. So definitely. Well, real quickly, where can people find you online? They can find me online, uh, mainly on Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. at Diane Holton. So D I A N H O L T O N, um, no E. And that's where I'm probably the most visible. And then I do have a LinkedIn. I have to be honest, I'm not, I don't check it that often. <laughs> um, and I do have a Facebook, but I, I'm not on it as much as as my peers are. Sure. Um, but Instagram and Twitter, you can definitely find find me find me there. So. Awesome. Diane, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. And I, I look forward to talking with you again soon. Yes, thank you so much. And I'm sorry I'm so long-winded. I'm like, I'm that person who's un, who's unfiltered. So <laughs> I just talk. I don't get out much. <laughs> Those are the best conversations, though. Are they? Because I feel like, I don't know. I could be a little more concise. <laughs> I enjoy yeah. them. <laughs> Well, thank you, Jason. You're welcome. And our moms have to meet. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day. You too. And go out and hug some necks. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. I will. You can find out more about Diane on Twitter at Diane Holton without an E. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with her. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners 15% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code CREATE15CS at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CREATIVESOUTH. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And... Remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. 
This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks. <laughs>